This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, Thursday edition, sports cards, nonsense. You can hear the sorrow. It's a somber tone, I think Ronick would agree. Jesse is not here. The last solo show we did, I was in Florida. It was an absolute train wreck. So, Ronick, just set your expectations low. Uh, we have a guest I think is going to join us in a few minutes. We are going to talk a little bit, big picture, a little more NFL breakdown uh, before we get into things. We'll do some NFL breakdown. We had a couple guys, too. We called for it last show, so they did. They reached out with, hey, here's some random names. You know, what are your thoughts on their market? Probably do a bunch of mailbag stuff, too, because Jesse not being here kind of threw everything else off. And then we're going to get another, uh, what is the correct term? Mogul in the card industry to come in and talk about the whole Fanatics deal. We'll break that down a little bit more as well. So, uh, yeah, Jesse is super sick, but it is not COVID. So I also got a text this morning at like 5.04, and Jesse was panicking that he was going to be fired from the show. So uh, if you know Jesse personally, or if you know him just through the show, email him, tell him to calm down. This show is only as good as Jesse is. So under no circumstances would we ever be getting rid of the big fella. He is far too valuable. Um, but yeah, he's sick. My wife is sick. We ended up having to do a, a home COVID test today. She was negative, but she's not feeling good. So long story short, the world is falling apart and we're going to talk about baseball cards for like an hour. So uh, first thing I want to jump into quarterback class. We saw this on some of our uh, Instagram and Twitter handles, all that stuff. Indy posted some stuff up. Like the top, I think they just came out with a list, like the top 15 guys in the league. And I, I just thought it was interesting. I figured I'd break some of these guys down. I mean, some of the some of the big guys, you know, Brady Mahomes, obviously, will stay away from a little bit. But uh, he did find some interesting stuff. So, you know, one thing I always, you know, we always come across is like, hey, there's there's the new wave stuff and there's the super hyped up new people. But what about some of these dudes who are surefire Hall of Famers that we don't ever talk about? Um, so there's definitely a few. So he made this list. Um one of the first guys that popped into, on this list that popped out to me, Ben Roethlisberger. So 2000, of course, Roethlisberger's got two rings. I mean, immediate first round, hall, first ballot Hall of Fame when the time comes. Pittsburgh has a pretty savage following. Um, it feels weird, Ronick. I need somebody else here. Ronick, turn your camera on and don't say anything. Just, I just need a face to look. <laughs> just kidding. You got it. Hey, Ronick, it is weird. The solo thing is not good. I'll stay here. I'll stay here. I'm telling you, man. What do you th- what do you think about Ben Roethlisberger? I feel like you guys often talk about like legacy players where he's not like as good as he was, but like he's won a Super Bowl, he's been around forever, so that kind of makes some sense, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be a first ballot guy. So there's some crazy things like his 2004 Topps Chrome rookie, for example, PSA 10. It averages like a thousand bucks. The population is 169, and the thing is not like that. It's always been trending around the 900, at least the last six months, around the 900 dollar mark. We had guys ask about him specifically. Where do you fall on him? I don't like him. I have always hated the Steelers. Like, I think Ben Roethlisberger is, if you're a Steelers fan, 
I think that's a great buy. When he retires, gets inducted, like for a thousand bucks, a population under 200, that, that was the most, that stood out to me more than anybody else on this list for that particular card. Because some of the other guys were new. Um, Ronick's take next on Matthew Stafford. I tell you, we could do this without Jesse. I don't care. Unfortunately, unfortunately football is a sport I know the least about. Um, but oh yeah. you know more than Jesse, though. We can we can we can promise that. Uh, what team does he play for? I don't even remember, honestly. Oh boy. This is like doing a show with Jesse, actually. This is actually perfect. So Stafford just got traded to the Rams. That's what I heard. Yeah. I remember that. Now he's with it. Rams are pre- I mean, Rams are very competitive, anyways. Great defense. They have some weapons offensively. It's by far the best team Stafford will be a part of. And he's a I think he's a big upgrade over Jared Goff. This is another crazy card, though. 2009 Topps Chrome PSA 10, almost the same price. He's trading at like a thousand bucks, nine fifty. There's a population of ninety nine. That is just insanely low. What's creepy about this guy, though, is he bottomed out under four hundred dollars. Aside from that, he's kind of been around that nine hundred. He spiked at fifteen hundred at you know one or two sales. He's another guy, though. When it's all said and done, like he's going to be a first round Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Fame guy. He's probably going to be the all time league leader in passing yards. You know, because of timing, I guess, helps with that. But, yeah, Stafford's a weird one. Like, Stafford jumped out to me. Uh, We talked about Russ Wilson already. But, like, Russ Wilson's a guy. So, again, Topps Chrome, PSA 10. This card, we, me, I think me and Jesse talked about his contenders last time. I didn't even think to look at the Topps Chrome card. I think this Russell Wilson Topps Chrome is, like, one of the best buys out there right now. It's 550 bucks. Population's just over 1,000. It had topped out last year. Or last March, I mean, at like thirteen hundred bucks. The reason I bring up these three too is not only just the investment to buy the flip game, but I think those are three guys that are heavily collected. So even if you're like looking at this from a collector standpoint, big Russ Wilson fan, you know, a big Stafford fan, big Roethlisberger fan, whatever. Like I just don't think there's going to be a better time to buy these guys because I do think, and it ties in with the fanatics news too. I I'm starting to think like, hey, there's a twenty billion dollar company that is now going to be the gorilla in the room in this hobby. Like, I just feel like we're we're on pace for crazy, unprecedented growth as we get closer to that whole thing happening. Here's a question that you will know the answer to, Ronick. I know you just did your your uh, stadium tour. Did you see any... So a couple of stadiums have these already. Did you see any Fanatics apparel stores in these stadiums when you were there selling jerseys? Uh, I did see one in... Like, it wasn't inside, but it was outside Wrigley Fields, like across the street. Oh, yeah, I know what that's at. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So you're the target audi- audience here, actually, Ronick. Let me get your opinion. Because, you're again, you, you don't, you've never bought a pack of cards, right? Not since I was little, no. Okay, right. So no interest in the hobby, really, but a big sports fan. You're a basketball guy specific. B- baseball, basketball, Baseball, right? basketball. Those are my two. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, if Fanatics, who makes all the jerseys and everything already, the apparel, like, if you, if you go to a store at, again, Wrigley, wherever you're at, wherever, whatever one you happen to be visiting... I just feel like there's a lot of people in your position who all of a sudden may start paying at least a little bit of it. Like, I feel like 15% of the Ronics of the world are going to like walk into that store and be like, oh yeah, I hear sports cards all the time on like the news. And now they're selling them where like, they're selling my jerseys. Maybe I'll grab a box. Yeah. Yeah. If they were selling those like at the counter, like up by by the front, they weren't too expensive. Maybe, you know, I'd be interested if there was like a baseball card and they had like advertised something on it, like some kind of special card inside or whatever. Maybe I'd be interested. So I think there's something there. Yeah, I just think like, I don't think every sportsman's all of a sudden getting into the hobby, but like if it's going to be in your face like that, which I just, I think they're going to use those retail locations. I think it gets weird. I digress. Back to that Russell Wilson card though. Um, 
Anyways, I just think the Fanatics thing, the reason I'm talking about some of these more established guys, I just think these guys are cemented already. Their legacy is cemented. And especially Stafford and Wilson. You know, if Wilson wins another ring as high as he's and as well as he's played, he gets interesting. If Stafford were to make finally have some playoff relevance, you know, that's a guy. But I love these guys from a flip point or from a collector standpoint, honestly. Um, and then there's one other. So we have a couple of this I pulled up. The Tom Brady Bowman Chrome card. This is a weird one. This thing has been, I bought mine for 16.7 on here a couple months ago. Population is almost the same as Russ, just over 1,000. It's a Bowman Chrome, not a Topps Chrome. So it's 2,000 Bowman Chrome. It's back down to like 16 grand again. I just think it's cheap. I feel like that's one, if, if you can pick that up too, again, as a Brady fan. And I also start to wonder, where's the whole nostalgia angle with like, hey, Topps doesn't make cards anymore. You know, what are we going to do here? So... Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, so there's just a little bit of football talk. The whole quarterback thing. Speaking of quarterbacks, Drew Locke was not named the starter. I was dead wrong about that one. So whoops a daisy. Um, I did want to hit on a couple baseball names too before our guest joins us. Baseball, the sport of Ronick. So he'll be a little more involved here, I'm sure. So we asked a couple guys. I just pulled a few of the guys who emailed. We had Matt Beckham, Ryan Olson, and Zach Hicks emailed about some people. Okay, these are guys we don't hear about all the time. We're curious about them. The first name that was mentioned by a few people is Albert Pujols. I mean, Albert Pujols, you're what, 26, Ronick? 25. Do you remember Pujols being great? Of course, yeah. You do? Okay. I'm always yeah. curious like when the age gets. Because he's been so irrelevant the last, man. Five years, yeah. I mean, he's got to go down, though, as a top five hitter of all time. Or, or in the discussion, as top oh, yeah. five. Yeah. He's got some weird values, too. Like his upper deck, just to keep things kind of basic. His 2001 upper deck base card there's 1200 of them as a psa 10 it sells for 400 dollars. what's crazy is this thing was over a thousand bucks for forever so again and i think this was from zach or matt one of those two asked about him specifically if you're a pool host guy i don't think you can go wrong his market is literally it's weird that his floor has continued to kind of drop as a lot of this have evened out but as as soon as the 22nd so four days ago this card sold for 400 bucks on ebay i just think again if you're a collector I'm not sure what else you're doing, but then just buying that card. Like, Pulhos is cemented. All-time great, you know, one of the only dudes, too, who kind of scathed through that steroid era. Like, I always think of three guys, Pulhos, Griffey, and Jeter, of, like, the, the absolute superstars who didn't use. They all could have used. I have no idea. I just assume everybody did. But those are the three guys who, like, the overall perception is they were clean, they were great. You know, I like that card. There's a couple other cards, though, that I like, because he came up with Ichiro, so I, I love the upper deck for 400 bucks. I think that's a great price. The other one is the 2001 Tops Traded. It's him and Ichiro. That card comes together. Same thing, 170 for a pop, which is stupid low. And that card sells for under two grand. Christina's here. Send her in. Christina is here from Card Ladder. You were described as a mogul in the industry. Your response to that accusation? Um, someone told you both place lie. Who calls yeah. me a mogul? That was me. Oh. <laughs> I made it up. Um, first female guest. We've actually been criticized in emails quite frequently. We don't talk about the WNBA. We've never had a, a, a female co-host or guest on the show. So Jesse being sick is literally the best thing that's ever happened to us. And me. And you. This is this is big news. So uh, we were actually just discussing card ladder real quick. I was given a little football breakdown, but um, so I have a couple questions for you. You are very well connected. If you don't know Christina, like I said, Christina. And Chris, uh, the inventors. What is your whole? What is your deal over there? The inventors of Card Ladder. 
Um, Chris and Josh are the found the co-founders of Card Ladder. Co-founders. Okay. Yeah. I I came in early and pretty much like most things just took over. Fair. All right. Well, look at any big ideas. This is my show. So of don't course. go. Yeah, just don't start thinking you're going to run the deal here. No, I'm glad you joined us. We scrambled last minute. We needed somebody in here, so uh, much appreciated. I'm curious about your whole take on the Fanatics deal. I know you guys have talked to Josh Luber. You know, you guys are, I would say, one of the some of the few people I actually give the credit to of being more in touch with the actual hobby than I am. We talked about this, and we did our whole speculation rabbit hole thing. Let me just ask you a few questions, kind of specific, because I don't want to do the whole song and dance. Um I did like that Luber on your Instagram live didn't say a word. I mean, nothing like they are just holding Pat with no news uh, about anything from what we know now, which is very little good for the hobby. What is the perception in the hobby's mind right now of the fanatics news? I think it's 50 50, right? Like you have people of the old guard. um, I think especially baseball collectors are kind of concerned because every card they've ever collected mostly has the word tops on it. Right. So they're kind of concerned about their set collecting and consistency with brand um, and the products that they love. And then you have others who are a little less pessimistic and um, are a little more optimistic in this regard. They're thinking new blood, new creatives, um, potentially, you know, the players are going to be a stakeholder. Therefore, you have players caring probably, um, about getting autos returned in time. Um, maybe fanatics, you know, they have a, a wealth of, like jerseys and game used stuff at their hands. Like we have potentially game used memorabilia coming back into products at a level that we haven't had recently, which would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, I'm of the let's wait and see before we pass judgment. Um, but I, I like some of the takes that I'm hearing throughout the hobby. The concerns are valid and I think that they need to be addressed and they will be when, you know, a company is completely formed and people are able to talk about it publicly. Yeah. So one thing I liked from the Instagram live, cause as much as Josh didn't say anything in detail. So Josh Luber, the creator of StockX, is going to be the CEO of the new card company. I think we mentioned that before, but in case we didn't, there you go. Um, I didn't realize how involved he was with the actual hobby. Like to listen to that guy, he's a card nerd like us. Like I liked it. By the way, I said like us. When I first said card nerd, Chris and Josh got mad at me six months ago. I'm including myself in this nerd thing. Um, That's a term of endearment. I I also don't like having a co-host I can't insult as readily as Jesse. This isn't real. That's fine. That's fine. We'll work on it. But I I was actually impressed with he is. You just keep it like non-gender specific. I'm asking for equality, not special. Oh treatment. God! Okay, now we're getting right right back into cardboard. Now, um, <laughs> I I am I am optimistic about that. Somebody at the head of the ship who is like that much of a of an actual card guy. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, he's a big collector. We saw what he did with sneakers, um, and like he's a collector at heart, and that's all we could ask for, really. Like that that's pretty much our dream case scenario, I think. Yeah, I'm ex- so I am excited about that. I'm excited to learn if Josh Luber still hates me or if he ever did. I don't know yet. So here, let me just a quick backstory. Then we'll get into some of the more fanatics details. I think it was like his secretary reached out and set up, which I think me, Josh, and Jesse would agree was the most awkward Zoom call in the history of mankind. 
I actually didn't know what StockX was. Neither did Jesse. We didn't know why we were on this meeting together. And like the assistant was kind of like, yeah, we just want you guys to vibe. And I was like, I don't know what we're doing here. I didn't know he would be the kingmaker in the hobby. Six months later, I would have been. But I felt terrible. I was like, man, this isn't this guy's fault, but I don't know what to say to this person. Anyways, Josh, if you're listening, I wore my hat backwards, by the way, in honor of Josh. That's a true story. You won't find my hat backwards at other times. So there you go, Josh. So we did find out a couple other things real quick. 20-year deal with the NFL. They're saying the NBA is going to follow. That seems insane. Like, I didn't think it was going to be that type of a deal. That's a generation, right? Like, that is, that's Dirk Nowitzki's entire career. Minus opinion. Like, yeah. That's, that's a institution. 20 years. That's crazy. It's like a whole new beginning, middle, and end. Like, an entire career of collectors. Yeah. I, I do think that's weird. Um, here were two other things. And I think, actually, Chris, uh, your, is it your fiance? Yeah. Well, okay. Chris, get on the ball. Set a date so we can just say husband and wife and much easier for the rest of us. Um, no pressure. You can call him whatever you want. Okay, but... your husband, Chris. There you go. So, Michael, he brought up this point with the whole, and I, I had not put this together too, just a couple brief details. Then we'll get back to card stuff. Michael Rubin apparently is invested in Blackstone, who acquired the whole CCG, the comic grading, the CSG company. Like, is there something down the road where that all of a sudden comes into play and Fanatics is doing in-house grading as well? It's a great question. I do not have an answer for you. First great question of the interview. All right. Yeah, I, I think it's weird, though. Like, even Chris brought up, like, maybe, maybe not. But I think that's a weird angle. I guess there was also ties, too. I think this was from Chris, as a matter of fact, when I listened to him. I didn't realize Ruben was tied in with that whole SPAC group with A-Rod when he was, in, like, looking into Panini's books. Have you heard any of that? I did not know. I didn't know that. Which makes me wonder, like, was that just the kind of a, a ploy to see Panini's books and then all of a sudden this happens, you know, right after the fact, so. Or it could have been, like, on the up and up, they were thinking of purchasing Panini because Panini has kind of made it privately public that they're they're open to negotiations and acquisition. So it could have been, like, Let's see what this company has. And then, you know, deals fall through or, you know, you see something that makes it not enticing anymore. So I don't know. I don't know much about that deal. I wasn't, I wasn't in the room on those, unfortunately. Not friends with Michael Rubin. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess that's my biggest takeaway, too. I not hate that yet. it's all no. speculation. Not yet. Not yet. Card yeah. Ladder will soon be the official tracking tool of Fanatics. Is that... Well, yeah, we will still track cards. Yeah. Okay. Officially, have they signed you guys yet, or is that? I, I don't know what that means. We don't. We're not officially with anyone. We're with ourselves. We're just a bunch of data nerds that like cards. Well, it's the only app we use on here. So, uh, here is the last thing that I thought was interesting, and I believe I misspoke about this. I didn't realize Panini can't make baseball cards after the PA deal runs out. It's going to be exclusive with Panini. Excuse me, exclusive with Fanatics. So they won't even be able to use the likeness and images of players. I kind of thought Panini would just kind of keep rolling with the whole unlicensed non-logo stuff, but it sounds like even that's going to be dead. So I don't know. I wish there was a little more competition. Hopefully we'll find out some more things, acquisitions, whatever. Okay, I did have some questions. I was actually just using Card Ladder on here too. Um, so again, for people who don't know Card Ladder, we talk about it quite a bit. It's like not even questionable. The best way to track cards gives you like, all the sales history, 
data. And I, I find it to be a good use of like a market indicator. You know, we get that a lot too. Hey, what, what's your view? Where's the market at? You know, we know March was insane and August had crazy spikes. Um, let me just get like your opinion. Where do you think as a hobby, again, somebody who's way more plugged in and you're the one actually putting the numbers in. So you're seeing this way more firsthand. Like, where do you consider the hobby kind of as a whole right now to be? I mean, I think the hobby's healthy. Like, it's a healthy market. And that means it's going to ebb and flow. It's very cyclical. And um, we're seeing spikes in certain cards. You know, eBay's doing amazing uh, traffic. Card ladder tracks 14 different um, platforms and marketplaces, auction houses. So, I mean, PWCC just had their premiere auction over the weekend they set i believe it's 18 all-time highs in that one auction um you have but you know there are cards that are going down i think the more rare things and um like i think people are starting to realize what performs better and what collectors actually want to hold on to and i think that's good like that's a lesson that i think a lot of us needed to learn Okay. Let me ask you this too, because I know like Card Ladder, for example, like the stuff we just did, it obviously talks about Pop Report. How mm-hmm. important do you think Pop Report is to to the state of the hobby? Like, I've always kind of said, like, I just think it's a little overrated. Like, we use it when it's appealing, but sometimes I just think some of it is a little overplayed. I don't know. What's your thoughts on the population reports of cards? I think it's important to keep it in mind, but especially for base cards or silvers, um, you have to also consider not yet graded. Like the population of a card might be like a PSA 10 might be three today, but in six months, it could be 400. Like you just don't know. So um, I think that those are things you need to consider when looking at purchasing a card. Um, But I don't think it's the end all be all. Yeah. I, I, and that's kind of how I feel. Like when I'm buying big Tom Brady cards, it plays into it, right? Like I don't want something where there's not that there's, he's a bad example because he was before the whole boom. But if, if something has a pop of Tom Brady of 500, I just think, okay, it's kind of cemented the value. We're not going to be a bunch, there's not going to be a bunch of 2000 Tom Brady cards that all of a sudden come, come loose and get graded like a PSA 10. So um, I do, it does come into play a little bit for me, but I just think now it's kind of become like a keyword thing. Like, you know, what's the pop? I don't know. It seems to be a little overplayed. But anyways, I'm going to leave it up to you. We have a big mailbag section, which is off the wall nonsense. The only other thing we were requested to do, and I'm not sure if you, do you guys bust a lot of wax personally? A lot of products? I see it behind you. A lot of NT. Yeah, I've opened all of this. Okay. So here was a question, and we've had this for a while. It's kind of been brewing. Didn't make a lot of sense to do it with Jesse because he doesn't know what these things are. Um, Jesse, you're not being replaced just so we're clear no by anybody no. ever we love jesse no he texted me at five o'clock this morning though and thought he was getting replaced so paranoia not a lot of sleep cold medicine i don't know just for the record bill really likes jesse too but he doesn't know anything about cards he's never opened any of these products and a lot of times we do get kind of the question hey what's an outlook like we'll try to do a weekly review but some guys have said hey if we're trying to save up for three or four products down the road um you know could you kind of give us some thoughts on those? So I thought I'd just throw out a couple products that I saw coming up and just to kind of get, again, two collectors, one mogul, one avid collector, just to be just, just a distinction there. Uh, it's not gender specific. Mogul could be a man or a woman, so that's fine. 
Yeah, that's fine. You can't <laughs> call yourself a mogul. I can't wait to get the text message from Chris too, your husband, boyfriend, fiance. She's like, what are you doing? That's all it's going to say. He's never texted me before either, but I'm excited. This is going to this is going to break down our barrier, me and Chris. I'm excited. Um, so like September 1st, couple weeks out, Tops 5 Star. I actually always love 5 Star product. Like almost all on card except for the patch autos. 5 Star Baseball. It's usually two autos a pack. I think it's going to be in like the 200-ish dollar range, maybe a little bit more. Let's just do this. 1 to 10. How about that? We'll use this as our grading scale for like a few products. Okay. Or- a, B, C, D, if you prefer. You get to pick. Okay. I like Five Star. I think it resells well. I think it's actually a pretty nice quality product. There's too many $5 autos in it, but that's with everything. I think Five Star for like collectors is an awesome product. I would say rip it yourself and chase or buy the... I, I actually prefer to just buy the singles of Five Star. So I'm a fan. 8.5 Five Star. Okay. Personally, I don't open much baseball, um, but I see the benefits of it. I'm not really a baseball girl. I basketball? Because, yeah, basketball, football, um, definitely. And like I'll sometimes play with baseball, UFC, or soccer, but it's mostly basketball. Well, we'll stick to football then. That's actually perfect. We're coming into football season. All right. You're from the Northeast. What are your where do your loyalties lie team wise? We should have discussed this off air. Yeah. Oh, I can tell I could already tell by the disappointment, the preemptive Oh, so, okay. So this Ronnie, is Ronnie, get ready to mute her. <laughs> right, right. This Ugh. is the problem. Connecticut is this weird state that wants to be New England and the tri-state area with New York and New Jersey. Tri-state so, can have it. I've always said that. Tri-state can have Connecticut. I have no issue. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I'm a Patriots girl. That's easy. Hands down, Brady. Okay. I follow Brady. Um, Are you a Bucks fan now because of that? I mean, yes and no. Like, I'm a Brady fan. Okay. So where he goes, my my loyalty follows him. Gotcha. Uh, and then, you know, I... You can say uh, it. Just get it out of the way. Well, no, I mean, my family's literally split. Like, sometimes, like, family functions are difficult because Connecticut, like... Yankee like, socks. Sideways cuts in half of Yankees and socks. So, um, yeah, so we're more of a Sox family, but we have Yankee fam, like we have Yankee fans in our family. I wouldn't speak to that side, but uh, <laughs> Celtics fan or? Yeah, Celtics fan. Ronick yeah. just messaged go Yankees too. You guys Ooh. just do the show together. Ugh, really? Okay, so then let's do that. Let's do some football and baseball. So like this week, for example, certified football. A lot of positives. What do you think about, what are your feelings on certified I like to rip. So um, if it's a price point that makes sense for me to entertain myself with, then I'm all on it. I look at I look at ripping as like entertainment. Like I don't think about it as, you know, is is this going to bring me back the money that I've spent? That's a benefit. That's a plus. That's like icing on the cake. But like I just look at it as, okay, like I can go to the local card shop buy you know a few boxes and chris and i can sit and like have dinner and open some boxes and that's like a nice fancy restaurant out and like a night out instead we're opening product and maybe the dinner pays for itself like absolute back burner but okay exactly yeah Yeah, i like certified um some on card but mostly sticker it's all pro uniform and i mean for football this year I, i just I don't think you can go wrong with football this year. The class is so stupid deep. Yeah, your Jets guy is looking pretty good, Zach Wilson. So 
uh, yeah, I, I, so I like I do like certified for the price point. Um, here's a weird one. I, we don't talk about Leaf products a ton. Leaf Trinity comes out on the 3rd of September. That's another product. I knock on Leaf for some things, and rightfully so. Trinity, to me, is one of the best products of the year in every sport. Like the patch autos in Trinity, I think, are unbelievable. Uh, for the money, that is one of the few I would actually rip. I like to just rip, but some of these things, I'm like, man, I'm going to be so upside down. It just nags me, so I just can't do it. But Leaf Trinity, I actually think I would rip as personals and will rip in a couple weeks. All right. I'll take your endorsement and I'll buy at least one box. Really? Have you ever, have you, are you familiar with Trinity? Slightly familiar with it. Uh, I've never ripped it myself. Um, Yeah. So it's like a poor man's flawless, like super clean white patch autos. I do. I actually, and I hate complimenting Leaf. I actually think that's a super nice product. I can get behind that. I like flawless. So I'll, I'll rip a box for you. Yeah, for a fraction of the price. There you go. She's going to rip it and give it away to our audience. You heard it here first. Um, There's a bunch of other ones. I don't want to hit every single... So let me ask you this. For football products for you, what are some of your favorite rips of the year then? In terms of like what you're looking for, either just the the ripping experience, the chasers from that, the individual inserts, whatever. What's like top of your list? Yeah, so um, I'm a huge fan of Marvel's. Um, so the net marvels in basketball and then the marvel in football, that insert is catches my eye. What um, are those in? Are those in a few different products? It's in Don Russ because it's in Don Russ in basketball. It's also in Don Russ in football. They do sell super well too. Like we get a lot of questions about inserts. I think those are things that will hold value long term, even. Yeah. I mean, if you like the card and you the design speaks to you, you can never go wrong with buying it at like or keeping it. Um, I'm all about keeping that card. I have a really, I have a favorite one and I just like it. I was a comic book nerd as a kid. So, um, oh, okay. it speaks to me. Kind of a perfect tie-in. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I've gotten on the kaboom train, but then now it's kind of blown up way too much, and now I hate it. I thought it was going to be like the cool kind of exclusive thing, and it just seems like it's gone way too... I don't know. Just seems like it. I just feel like the production is a lot more than what I originally thought it might have been because it seems like it's everywhere now. Or, you know, the people who have it are some of the loudest in the space and they're just talking about it over and over again. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. I'm actually adding Kaboom cards to Card Ladder. I'm just finishing up the entire print run for basketball 2015 through 2020. And, um, now moving on to football and the multi-sport product. Um, the ones that you hit in like their case hits when you rip them from packs from Excalibur or absolute, um, like those are pack pulled. Like I get it. The multi-sport were a reward redemption product. Um, so that one, some collectors feel aren't true kabooms. And that's how I feel. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of not on. Yeah, I get it. Um, I actually pulled a kaboom yesterday when I opened Prism Soccer. And um, Was it, it Mbappe? Was, it was not. I don't know who it is. Though. No, and I've, I've never heard of the soccer guy. I, it was a... Lexi Lalas. No, I don't know who it was. I don't even remember the name now. Yeah. Mia Hamm. But, um, but having... Kaboom come out of prism. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. So uh, here's another question too, as a matter of fact, because we have you here, take card ladder out of the equation because some people, I mean, we put it on our site, but some people don't use it. One of the most, the most asked questions we get and Indy, the intern answers it all the time. This will make this kind of like our impromptu 101. What's my card worth? Hey, I just found this box of cards from five, 10, 20 years ago. What do you, I mean, like you guys obviously are in the business of comping and vetting things out and going way further than anybody else will go. But for like the everyday collector, just found this random box of stuff. Where do I go? What do I do to find value? What, like, what do you tell people like that? Yeah, it's actually funny. I had a conversation about this with a childhood friend. Um, he found his old baseball cards in his closet and he was like, I know what you, like, he knows what I'm doing now. So he was like, you know, I pulled out the rookies and he did some research, um, but it's tough, right? Like it's not as easy and simple as saying like, Oh, like here's like, here's a price guide. Um, right. You, you can't really do that anymore. And sometimes the random cards are worth the most. So I would tell people, I would caution people to not really take anyone else's word for it. Um, and do some research yourself. And that includes, you know, using the tools available, which are eBay sold in completed listings. Um, don't take best offers uh, as the offer accepted. Uh, they do not, they do not publish that information. So you have to go to a second hand, like a secondary uh, source. So like them. 130 point though, 
Yeah. That is the actual price, correct? Yes. Okay. Most of the time. Yes. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Like 99% of the time, that's the actual price. Okay. So kind of, and that's kind of our baseline, like find out what you have somehow and then, you know, do research, find out what it is, you know, not with every card, but pull out the bigger cards and at least try something. But I think that is the most asked question we get. Yeah. I mean, the rookie cards, like they usually say RC on them um, or have some kind of shield or designation, pull uh, pull those out, pull out any inserts um, and definitely any big names. Like even if it's like, oh, it's Ken Griffey Jr., but it's his third year, like you never know. So pull it out. And, you know, the back of the card is a great first step in finding the year, the product name. Um, You already have the player name. So try to do some research on, on your own um, and then, you know, dive in because you might go down a rabbit hole, but it'll be fun. Yeah. And maybe it pulls you into the hobby too, which I would like, I mean, I'd like to see. So, all right, here off the wall impromptu question, and we can totally cut this out if you're super on the spot. I know I've heard Chris and Josh talk about like certain sets that they just love. One of the other things we get a lot of, and, and this is a question I never really have a good answer to, like, some people want to know, hey, what are certain sets that are just traditionally overlooked that shouldn't be? Court Kings. Really? Okay. I love the artistry of Court Kings. Like, love it. Um, I think it's a definitely underrated product. Uh, I buy at least five boxes <laughs> every time uh, it comes out. Uh, and my LCS kind of knows that. And they put it aside as soon as they get the product in. Um, and they'll call me and tell me <laughs> like it's there. Okay. Um, I just, I really love the cards. So I'm a big art fan, um, but cards are my art. So the fact that they make court Kings into this canvas drawing, a lot of them are sketches or painting. Um, it just, it looks amazing. I, I, I'm all about that. That's a personal preference, obviously, like art is very personal. So I would say court Kings, um, as one of the one of the sets that I would say to people, like you can usually get it for a pretty good price, especially for basketball. Like that's a pretty expensive hobby to rip. Yeah. It's become insane. Yeah. Yeah. But court Kings. Okay. Yeah. Like the one that always comes to mind for me, which is a terrible example. Like I always tell people the 93 finest refractors were like my favorite inserts, but now like a PSA 10 Griffey is 10,000 or whatever. So it's not really like an undervalued set. Um, you know, things like the Kaboom and the downtowns I thought were going to be awesome. And now I'm kind of like, I, you know, I don't know that those will have the staying power. Um, I like the court Kings thing because yeah, it is, it's definitely way different and you're not going to pay the absolute premium to get in. Um, not that I'm talking from a flipping standpoint, but I just, even as an investment, like I hate, even if I'm going to hold something forever, I still don't want to overpay. And then in five years, have it be, you know, like I, I bought it at the absolute pinnacle. So um, yeah, we had that question this week and I was like, you know, I don't really have any great answers that popped out to me. The only set I'm working on is that 2001, uh, signs of the times football autograph set. Ooh, I like that one. That's on a good card. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's on card. It's like almost all hall of famers. There's some stiffs in there. Drew Bloodsoe's in there. So it won me over. Yeah. Do you have time for a few mailbag questions? Yeah, of course. Let's go. Okay. First question, the first couple questions were all about the whole release calendar, targeting some, you know, what are some top five? So we, we talked about that. Uh, I like this question a lot from the Facebook, as Jesse would say. Depending on how creative you want to get, you could do a state of the hobby address based on only Seinfeld quotes. 
And the response to that in the Facebook group was, for example, straight cash homie could be, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Not a question, but that was my favorite comment of the day. We got like 50 comments. That was far and away the favorite. So anyways, moving on to an actual question. I, I like that. I have not quoted Seinfeld or The Office yet once today. Should be the first show. We can quote The Office. I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> seriously? Yeah, seriously. I don't know. I've ever. Uh, let me just ask this. But are you younger than Chris? I know how old Chris is. Only by like a year. Yeah. What? And you've never yeah. seen Seinfeld? Do you like Friends? Yeah, I like Friends. Oh. It's usually one or the other. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, and one of those is good and one of them isn't. Ugh. Good grief. That's ridiculous. I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious with people who don't like Seinfeld. There's your office quote. Now we can go to the mailbag. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, let me just let's go right down the line. What's the best way for someone to move a tremendous amount of $15 to $70 cards they don't need? As lining, something can be very time-consuming and annoying. Fire sale, auction sale, chalk it up to a loss. I see. I think we could eliminate the chalk up to a loss if you have a stack of seventy dollars cards. I don't think there's yeah. any reason to take a loss on those. What are your? Uh, how involved are you guys on the selling side, anyways? Do you guys? I know you guys PC stuff. Do you do you s sell flip at all, or what's the? Um. So I'm really bad at selling things. Like I never want to part with them. Um. But Chris usually makes me or sells it out from under me. Um. So for this question, I would say. If you don't have a Christopher to list your cards for you on eBay, what depending on what the cards are, especially if there are a lot of duplicates, you don't want to flood the market online. So I would recommend going to a card show, even a local card show, and like setting up a table or trying to work a deal with a de one of the dealers and, uh, you know, trading up or like, or offloading there. Okay. I'm a fan of eBay consignment. Like, if you don't want to have any involvement in this, it would take you like an hour. Like, just fill them all out, send them off, and I would be done with it. Next question from my buddy Gino. Thoughts on Topps Chrome so far? Baseball, any thoughts on Topps Chrome or not particularly? I like Topps Chrome. Like, um, it's a good product. It has a, a legacy in the hobby. Uh, it's an institution. So I'm all about it. That's pretty much all I can say about it, though. Yeah, I got you. So this year has been weird, uh, I would tell Gino. Like boxes came out over 350 for hobby. Now, I think as of today, they were like close to 200 on blowout. Um, the rookie class is actually pretty good. You know, like you got Joe Adele, Cabrian Hayes, Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, the guys for the Braves are both in there. Dylan Carlson. I think it's good. I also think Topps Chrome is a product every year that does this. Like it just seems like it tanks immediately. And there's always too many pitcher autos. No question. But I actually think there's good value just in the base and in like the color refractors. So I like it. I like it a lot better at 220. I would never rip a box at 350. At 220, I could be convinced to rip a box or two. Uh, no, I hate doing the reading. Jesse does this. Why, Ronick, why couldn't Jesse just sign on and read the questions? Like, what the heck? They don't do anything else. It, it's a podcast. How do you call in sick to a podcast? He was very different. What did what did he sound like? Is he, he like was, he sounded horrible? I told him the last story. episode he was coughing a lot. So I, yeah, Ronick, it was you did a great job editing, but it was even worse. Like he's pretty raspy. I told him to take it. I think he actually would have come in. So I can't knock on him, but I will make fun of him on Monday. No, he has to take care of himself. Like your health is pretty much the only thing you have. Yeah, but this podcast should be pretty close to the top of that list. Like I don't know what he's doing. So no, that's fine. A few weeks ago. 
you were after the 2014 paper first Bowman prospect of Eloy. Then last week, you were after the 2019 Topps Chrome. Why the switch? Still learning baseball. This is confusing. The prospect to rookie relationship in baseball. Um, so like what Cameron's talking about, 2014 is his first prospect card before he got called up. 2019 are the actual rookies he's been called up. I do find that to be con- a, a pretty big source of confusion for like new people, though. Baseball, I think, is the worst. No, baseball is pretty bad. And the variations that baseball has is really frustrating on a data side. Like, bat up, red jersey. Pitching. Oh, photo variations. Yeah, photo variations. I right. got you. Like, it's the same card. And depending on the grading company, it could be called something different. And you have to figure out what cards you're looking at. And, like, it's uh, baseball. If, like, I'm not, I'm not really a baseball fan to begin with, but having to do the data side of baseball cards has just like, I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) It's like not happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then even like the, like I said, the prospect, well, this is a first prospect. This is a second prospect, but still not a rookie. I do find baseball to be the most confusing. Um, That just reminded me of a question too. This is one from me from the Facebook. Uh, Do you see anything when you're putting all the info in, are there any particular sports right now that you think, like as a whole, wow, there's a lot positive movement, negative movement in, in a particular sports market right now. You know what I was really surprised about was football didn't really have an off season. Yes. I was pumped to buy Joe Burrow. I was like, he's going to dip and he did not. Yeah. Like I was really surprised by that. Like the market didn't, didn't have an off season for football. Um, and now, you know, we have this great rookie class, like Justin Fields took a massive hit last week, got up, shook it off and like played cool. Um, and I was really impressed by that. So um, I, I think that this rookie class will will be something else for football. I'm excited. I think it's a good year for football. Yeah. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence. I have been on the fence about whether to collect Trevor Lawrence or not. I am now strictly in the sell mode. Like just from the buy sell aspect, I think that offensive line is so brutal. I just, I, I have no faith in. The, I, I just feel bad for the kid. Well, yeah, and that's something that the NFL I think is going to have to address, like with these top draft picks, um, and they draft these amazing prospect quarterbacks, and then there's no offensive line to protect them. And we saw it with Burroughs, right? Like he, like he was killing it totally crushing stats setting records as a rookie and then like his knee is like demolished like but i i think that that's something that we're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure out how to protect these prospects because like not everyone's going to be able to come back from that stuff yeah that was brutal last year I, that's my thing though i just i view, i'm starting to view trevor lawrence as the next david carr i think he's obviously much better but I just have a feeling he's going to get murdered. And he's so high across the board now. We talked about it last week. Even with Fields and Zach Wilson spiking hard because of how they've played, like mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence is still, uh, I mean, 20, 30, 40% above them in comps. So I just think I, I would just sell hard now. And if you like him, just buy back in. But I just, yeah. We're going to see Tim Tebow playing quarterback there at some point because the other kid's going to be dead. So um, anyways, no negativity here, Christina. Don't worry about that. No, you're fine. Jordan Kaufman has a question. Any antitrust possibilities with the Fanatics news? All speculation? 
Yeah, it's all speculation. Um, I'm not well versed in antitrust uh, law. Uh, did you go to law school also? I did not know, uh, but I did. I did take uh, copyright law classes in undergrad. Okay. Because uh, I had and your husband, fiance, boyfriend went to law school. Yes, he did. Gotcha. Yes. Um, but I'm not familiar with antitrust, so I would have to look into it before I could make outrageous claims. Yeah, same here. I have zero, absolutely no idea. So, uh, next question from Tim: What are your thoughts on targeting PSA slabs for under fifty dollars in a nine slash ten grade? Specifically, is there an inefficiency in the market as you may have a fifteen to twenty dollar raw card now amounting to to a grading cost of two hundred? And even if they open up more in the future, it certainly seems that the pricing is still going to be a minimum fifty for the economy service. So, like with that in mind, so with the cost of grading, what are your thoughts at targeting just cheaply graded cards? I think that in those situations, like you really have to look at the cost benefit analysis here, and is it actually beneficial to have that PSA grade when another grading company will do, uh, and it'll be like an amazing looking card, just as much so in a tuxedo, for example. Yeah, SGC, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think that that's something that you need to think about. Um, and I think that the that the market, like as like the hobby, not the market, like the hobby is the market, but like the hobby is starting to recognize that like it, you don't need to always pay for the name. Yeah, I agree. And I do think there will be some weird pockets of cards. Like right as that tr- transition with PSA happened, it's like, hey, this is only a $50 card raw. As a PSA 10, it's only worth 150 so maybe the first couple snuck in and got graded, but the rest of these people are just not going to grade. I, I think there could be, so like an answer to Tim's question, if you find cards where it's like, hey, there's there's three of these graded PSA 10, understand it's not because there weren't a million produced, but because it didn't make sense to grade them. There could be like a like a weird pocket of cards there, I guess. But yeah, to your point, I just think grading is is finally starting to expand, which I like, so... Um, next one's kind of just specific about the selling. Who are you selling right now, specifically football and basketball with the upcoming seasons? Anybody particularly you're seeing, uh, from your point standpoint, they're not you selling it because you don't sell, you said. Are you guys seeing like increased sales on anybody in particular from those sports, like on the data you track? None, none of that I can name off the top of my head. Um, I think that one thing you have to consider when you're getting ready to sell for basketball in football and any sport really prior to the season is who are people talking about? And that's going to like determine that, that press, even if it's hobby press or like national media coverage press, like that's going to help your sales price. Um, so like a lot of people are talking about Curry, I mean, is at the moment, like with his, with his parents potentially divorcing. Sure. Uh, is that going to affect his card market? Like I've heard that, like people have asked that question. Really? Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know, like he's a, I hope not. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that will actually add anything, but I think that one thing you have to think about is like what teams, like what are the betting markets looking like and what teams are like being, being run around as like the favorites for next year. And like, you have a lot of people who made moves. So like the Lakers made a lot of moves. Um, The Nets are looking good if they can stay healthy and if they start actually playing with each other so that, you know, they get used to each other. 
I'm excited for the Celtics. They have a lot of young talent. So like they just haven't been able to make it work yet. I'm glad Kemba's gone. Okay. Not a Kemba fan. You're not? Okay. No. I don't know if I, I, I don't really give advice. I'm sorry. This isn't really a question for me. But. No, that's fine. Yeah. I'm just, I just think it's interesting. I don't mind giving specific advice, but I think it's cool because your whole perspective is, hey, I, we see data or, hey, we see, like you said, even the trend, like if there's hype, Malik Monk. I mean, if you had Malik Monk cards a month ago when he got traded or signed or traded, whatever it was to the Lakers, to your point, he was in the headlines. Hey, this is going to be a six man of the year contender. He may average three points, but people were excited about him. So I did like that. So yeah, I think that's I think that's important. Just be dialed into the headlines and, and what's what. And with football, I, at least traditionally, I, I don't know if this year will be different. Guys tend to sell higher before they ever play a snap in a real game. So I do I do think we'll see a lot of that because a lot of these rookies are just not going to play like this in the real, you know, when it's an actual regular season game. So, but yeah, follow the headlines, not the divorce headlines. Come on, Del Curry, poor Del. Oh well. Um, here's another question. If the hobby is moving away from base in general, why isn't the hobby moving away from retail wax as well? It seems that base singles are worthless, but retail wax doesn't stay on the shelves at all. Should the two be more correlated? That's a great perspective. I really like that question. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they should the problem, be. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> like the answer is easy. Yes. Um, I think one thing is though you still have that chance for a hit in a retail box. And yeah, the chase. Yeah. A lot of people like that chase, like myself. I really like the chase. I like the, you know, I hit, a, a, like I said, like I hit a kaboom out of a prison soccer box and um, a gold as well of somebody. And like the moment that you hit those cards, even when you don't know the player, you're like, oh my God. And then you're like, I don't know who this is. Um, I don't really <laughs> watch Premier League. So... <laughs> So that's not really helpful, but, um, like, I think that the chase is what drives the price. And a lot of times the secondary market isn't really considering the price, the, the chase, they're more considering how much can I flip it for? And, you know, there are certain institutions in the hobby that set the price on the secondary market. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, I I think it should because we do see that on the hobby side of things, especially like, hey, um, I'm trying to think of what a good example of that would have been. You know, like even last year when Zion was not playing as well for a small stretch at the beginning and Ja was out injured. Well, all of a sudden the hobby values of the wax dropped dramatically because the chase wasn't as strong when they played really well at the end of the year. It, it jumped up quite a bit, but it is funny with re- I think it's because retail is so cheap in the beginning. Like a $20 box, what are you going to do to devalue a $20 box? I just think it's, uh, yeah. So I, I wish it was more correlated, but I don't think it is. Um, I, I like this question from Brian. Current slash future value of collecting top 50 type guys versus modern cards. Will the hobby show top 50 guys more love down the road? And he, he gave a couple of good examples, like Unitas versus Tua. I mean, Tua is like all the rage. Unitas has been dropping. That's kind of my philosophy when I collect. Like, I'm a big fan of collecting established guys. I have a Unitas rookie for that reason. I just think he's always been traditionally a good value. Not that I'm looking to flip it, but I liked him. He's a top 10 quarterback all time. I like the card. I wanted the card. And oh, by the way, it just seems like the value is, is I don't know, just seems cheap compared to some of the new guys. I'm always hesitant to buy 
rookie quarterbacks or like, you know, the first three years of a quarterback, because you don't know how their college career is going to manifest itself into professional. We all have high hopes for Lawrence, but, you know, he didn't do that well in his big game last year. So will that, will we see that Lawrence or will we see the Lawrence of the year prior? Um, So I think that, you know, you have to, you have to consider that. And I think, you know, a hall of famer over a prospect is always a good idea for a collection. Yeah, I agree. This next one is interesting. The guy's basic point was, you know, there's so many people now with voices and you have so many people coming in and following people blindly. And a lot of these people are like snake oil salesmen. Um, what would you, as an experienced hobbyist, which you fall into this category because you're not Jesse, um, an overall honest advisor. I'm the more honest of the two. That's okay, though. Tell them, like, tell people how you would start and grow a business if you wanted to be involved in the hobby. I guess the one, there's a couple things that come to mind. First, there are so many different businesses in this hobby, it's nuts. Like Card Ladder tracks data, does a great job of it, but like I never would have ever thought, hey, I'm going to build a business tracking data. You know, obviously the sales side, the breaking side, the consignment, the grading, there's a lot of different things. To me, I just think, I don't know, I've, I've never been a, I listen to a lot of voices. I hear a lot of voices, but I listen to a few, I guess is my thing. Like I try to listen to the, even the idiots because I like to see what the prevailing stupid sentiments are. But I just think you have to go with people. You may not know this. I actually often say on the show, card ladder are the people when I actually need actual data that is going to be broken down more detailed than I am going to do it on my own because I don't want I hate researching numbers like that. I go to card ladder. If I want to go to somebody who's spouting off about hype, I'm happy to be on here screaming about somebody's hype and when you should buy and sell. I think you should pick I think I just, you just pick a few voices that you think are trustworthy in any facet of whatever the business is you're going to do in the hobby. I agree wholeheartedly. And thank you um, for the for the love that you just shared. But um, I would give the, the advice I would give here would be to find your lane and stick to it. Like find what you're excited about in the hobby and, you know, be yourself, be open about who you are. Don't be anonymous. Um, become a trusted like voice, like Mike's talking about. And also it's always okay to say, I don't know. Like, I don't know baseball. I just don't. That was and, very clear. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, no, we and I'm not, I'm not like, I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Don't, don't follow it. Um, but I think that that authenticity that you have, as a person is important and that's how you're going to create a substantial business and a following and friends in the hobby. I'm also a big fan of community. Like that was our big thing at the breaking page and Eddie has taken that to the next level over at geo breaks. But like, I just think anybody can buy and sell. Anybody can grade. You can get into the game and flip and do that thing. I do think there's a lot of value in developing business relationships, networking, whatever you want to call it, community aspects. And you know, even little things, if you're on the buy and sell side, hey, this guy is going to pay me 5% less, but he's going to consistently pay. He's going to help me out. With I just think there's something to be said there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I'm also a big fan of just being everywhere. Stay in your lane with what you're going to focus on. But I do like taking in the perspective of everything. Like I read so much stupid crap on Twitter, but for all the 3,000, for the 3,000 dumb tweets that have no meaning, there's like the one or two people who give you like a random perspective and it's like, okay, I hadn't thought of that. Or it's a totally, I actually really like 
I love confrontation in business because I think it's it, for me it, it actually is helpful. So when I see people saying, "Hey, Mike's been saying I've been saying buy Tua," I'm not going to go third person on myself. Uh, and other people saying these are the ten reasons you should sell. I find myself digging more into differing opinions. I don't need anybody to like tell me. I'm already you know pride, prideful enough about it. I don't need people to say we agree for these reasons. When people wholeheartedly disagree, I think there's value in that too, like dissenting voices. So are you saying you're not humble, Mike? In real life, I am. My show perception has been pointed out blatantly that I am not as humble as I need to be. I am working on it. But in real life, I, I find this, in real life, I am wicked humble. So that doesn't always play well. Uh, I liked Fletch Fletcher's comment here. Jesse Rhodes Gibson, you realize that people with three names are either assassins or serial killers. Not a question, but a valuable insight. So um, I guess let's break it down. Like the, here's the last couple one or two more and we'll be done. Um, you know, a lot of the questions this week had to do with how do we build communities and build groups? A lot of it's just about putting in the time. Um, I, I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, another question too, just kind of in the purchasing thing, any smart purchases for the off season? Also curious how you acquired some of your large cards long ago and the value they've risen over time. Um, I'm curious, any of your cards just like monumental growth just by holding them? Any you want to share with us? Yeah, so uh, I purchased uh, the Luca Net Marvels 2019 one of one uh, in December of 2019 when what? it first popped up on eBay. <laughs> yeah, well, can can you ask what you paid? Five sixty one. What's that worth? I mean, I know it's you're not selling it. It's pretty hard to make a comp for um, because it's a one of one. I'll tell you that the 2020 Luca one of one went for 10 grand um, recently. And I think personally, it's um, not as good looking of a card as the first year of net marbles, which was Luca's 2019. So it's technically his second year card, but it's first of those. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, at one point I had the Joker, the Embiid and the Jama rant. Um, I do. I think they're cool cards. Yeah. I do think it's a sharp set. Um, that's a monster card. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, Andrew asked this question. Andrew, for me, it's the Brady stuff. Again, I just bought them because I liked them and I just held them. Like That's why I always say, too, I don't think there's that many. Pe- there's a lot of people with a lot of money and investments and a lot of like a huge number monetary portfolio that it doesn't mean they know anything. Like I was just always too lazy to sell anything ever. And the fact that you just hold stuff and it goes way up, I don't think that makes, you know, so I, I think that is, as I think this has just hit us out of nowhere the last year and a half. Um, as far as smart off-season purchases, I'm boring. I'm still just focusing on Jim Brown and Bill Russell. Like, I really want to find their rookies and just, same thing, those will just go in the safe. Like, they are at a crazy all-time, almost all-time low, like back to their pre-COVID pricing. I just think those are cards I'm going to throw in the, on, in the safe and be done with and never think about them again. So. Uh, last one. We got a bunch of these two of this particular guy. Thoughts on Clay Thompson? Is he coming back? Are you purchasing his cards? I really hope that he comes back. Um, I know that he struggled with like depression during his first injury, and to have the second injury before he even got on the court for a like a real like a you know a Warriors game and just a sh- instead of just a shoot around had to have put him back mentally beyond anything physical. 
Um, I hope the best for him. And I really hope he comes back and he just like has something to prove to himself and to others. Um, I'm rooting for him. I hope that like he comes back strong. They say he's coming back around Christmas, I yeah, think. It's kind of what they're mentioning. Yep. So um that's a pretty quick turnaround for his injury. Like Yeah. I would say too, from a card standpoint, uh, this guy, I think, I believe is asking, he's kind of a fan. Again, if you're a fan and not that it's all about dollars, but if he's cheaper now and you were going to buy it anyways, then buy it now. Like I just, to me, that makes sense. I lied. This is the last question. I knew there was one I forgot that I liked. What is the one single card that got you into this hobby and, or what is your story of how you started collecting? I'm interested in this too, because it is a myth that there are no women in the hobby. But obviously, it's a largely male-dominated space. Um, so I am curious on your... I would ask a man the same question, so we're being very equal. But I am curious, how did you get... Like, is there a single card? Is there, like, a single experience? What got you into the hobby? Yeah, so um, when Christopher and I graduated college in 2016, um, we came back to his parents' house, and he was cleaning out his childhood bedroom. And uh, he found binders and boxes of basketball cards. And for the next two weeks, he was obsessed and he had them all laid out in his parents' living room. And um, like I was decompressing from, you know, two senior theses and just like crazy four years at college and just was fine with him playing with basketball cards. And one day he was like, do you want to go on an adventure and go find some packs? And I was like, sure, like, I'll get out of the house. <laughs> like, that's fine. Um, and the first hobby box I ever opened was a 2015 Donruss basketball. And um, that was my set. Like, I ended up building the entire master set for that. But that was my first foray into the hobby. And I pulled a Carl Anthony Towns Elite Dominators Auto at a 25. And it was pretty the big at the time. I mean, number yeah. one guy, right? Yeah, it was the week he was named Rookie of the Year. So nice. it was kind of this like crazy moment. Um, and I've been chasing that high ever since. Okay. Mine is the, when I was, I was into it when I was like a real young, some of the audiences heard this when I was a young kid, like, like 8, 10, 12, around there for sure, almost up to high school. Every other weekend with my dad, he would just buy wax all the time. And I remember in 2000, they came up with Flare Showcase and they were the first time they did the sweet spot autos, which I thought were like the coolest. You can't see it. Then we don't do video anymore because Spotify hates us. But there's I got the set behind me. It is like the most basic set, super clean, just like a nice looking card. But it was one in every 288 um, boxes. So one in every, what is that, 12 cases, I guess. That's probably not one every 20 cases, 12 boxes a case. And so I remember that was like one of the first boxes I bought as an entire sealed box. Cause I could, I mean, they were expensive back then. And I pulled two in the same box. And I was just like, this is nuts. There's supposed to be one every 288. Like I'm pulling, and I put, I hit a Tony Gwynn and a Tony Womack. There's only 10 cards in that series, anyways. But I pulled those as a kid, bought, sold, did whatever, you know, got out of the hobby for years. Then I sold off everything that had been collecting dust for years to pay for my engagement ring for Hannah. And then I got back into it a few years after um, I kind of like started getting back in the hobby again. I was like, I'm kind of bored. I have a couple dollars. Like, and that was my big thing. I was like, I am putting together this set. I was like, I am just determined. And Nomar Garcia Parra of all the stupid people was the one that was like super short print. There's a couple guys on forums who own like stacks of those cards and would never sell them. 
he was the hardest one for me to get. But by and large, it's a very, I mean, there's 10 cards. It's maybe worth 700 bucks. It's not worth anything. That was the one where I was like, yep, I am all in on collecting now. Like that got me into the whole collecting thing. Breaking got me into the flipping, making money thing. But that set in particular was for sure what got me into like the hobby of it. So that's awesome. There you go. There you have it. Well, Christina, I appreciate you coming on last minute. Um, any closing thoughts, any words of wins- wisdom for our audience before you go? Thank you for having me, first of all. And I do have some some thoughts of wisdom and winsome. Um, sure, winsome wisdom is what that's called. I just want to tell everyone to really focus on what you like. Um, stop listening to people uh, and outside forces and really just start thinking about what you want to collect. And when you start thinking like that, you will buy cards that no one wants, like a Net Marvels one of one that then will blow up. Like, and I think that's that's what like the lesson I would want to share would be. Which I like because we do get too caught up. It's funny in person. I actually real like at the card show. I didn't look for a single card at the national to buy. I mean, like, oh, I'm going to buy and flip this. I only I've and I spent very little time walking the floor, but it was only in the pursuit of cards I wanted. Uh, which I didn't, I don't think I bought any actually that I actually wanted. I don't think I found anything, but I actually, I pride myself on being a collector. We have definitely taken the angle and we've become way more imbalanced on the, Hey, what's it worth? So we've been really trying to like work in the collector angle more, um, because it is valid. I do think it's valuable. Uh, I see the appeal of both though. Like if we just talk about collecting, you lose this other audience. So we try to balance it out, but I did think when it was like, hey, we got to find somebody last minute. I thought, hey, the card ladder guys and girls are much more involved in that. And I I just think it's a different perspective. So, yeah, I I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. And that's it. I have to close out the show, Ronick. Hang on. Jesse's not here to remind me. I'm going to get it, though. First try. That is Sports Cards Nonsense brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Powered for, powered, paid for, for by, by for Spotify. Listen to anywhere you get your podcasts. We will be back on Monday with the big fella, hopefully. See you then. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.